0: Welcome to the Give Me Liberty podcast. On this episode, we sit down with the co-founder of one of the nation's most consequential grassroots movements that is taking on education in a big way by rallying moms to take charge and hold local schools accountable. I'm talking about Tiffany Justice with Moms for Liberty on the Give Me Liberty podcast, starting now. Welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm with the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, Tiffany Justice. Tiffany's in the house. Hey, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Ryan. It's always a pleasure to come talk to you.
0: Well, I will say we had you just this last year at Liberty Mountain here in Lynchburg. We were so honored and thrilled to have you then. Um, And then Obviously you had a summit and it was, I think your second summit that you've had, um, there in Pennsylvania, successful event in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How is it that you are, or rather, how does it feel Tiffany to be one of the most beloved and most vilified people in the United States today?
1: Uh, if you stand for nothing, right? If you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. So um, I guess that means that I'm standing in, you know, the, the truth of parents right now, which is we're very concerned about the future of the country. And there are some people that uh, aren't standing with parents. So if you're asking me where I want to be, I want to be with parents who are, love America, love their kids and are a little concerned about the fact that we're treating adults like children and children like adults. Um, I'm used to adults being treated like adults and children being treated like children. So how does it feel? Um, if you had told me five years ago, this is where I'd be right now. I don't know if I would have believed you, but uh, getting more comfortable in this space.
0: Yeah, you you absolutely are. And I, by the way, you hit the nail on the head. Treating children like they're adults, the most critical questions facing their lives, they have to decide at the age of six uh, w- without the watchful eye of their parents. And then, parents treated like children, you bear no responsibility in the, 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 The well-being or the health, right, of your child, um, or the education of your child, you bear no responsibility. You are being treated like a child as a parent in America. I totally agree. You are an organiz; you're the head of an organization that has what over two hundred thousand members. What's the total number?
1: Yeah, we're not quite up to two hundred thousand yet, but we're edging up on one hundred and fifty. We are now in forty-six states, uh, and I think Idaho and Utah will be our next two, and then we'll be at forty-eight with only Rhode Island and Vermont. Uh, the outliers. So if you're listening from Rhode Island or Vermont, uh, we need some chapters. Let's get going. But our, our, our growth has been pretty organic. um, And now, uh, you know, it's exciting 300 chapters across the country.
0: That's amazing. So, and, and just for those who are keeping track and keeping score You started this organization in 2021. This is not something you haven't been around for decades. You are brand new in this space. That is, some people barely get their C3 filings in, right? I mean, in that amount of time, right? And and, and trying to organize, it takes a long time for certain organizations to get started and get going. But y'all were at rocket speed. You found a need and you were addressing a need before a lot of people even recognize what that need was was. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things when people are like, why is it that this organization's on the move and, uh, you know, others aren't, and they seem to be sort of lackluster and they plateaued and they're not really doing anything. It's cause they're not doing anything.
1: Well, I mean, I'm a mom. Of four kids, and I had four kids in public school during COVID. So I am our members. Our members are me, right? Tina, the same. So, you know, we are truly grassroots. We're not a top down organization. I think that when you are a top down organization, you have to try to. Do Um, fake that growth or fake that engagement maybe a little bit in order to get other people involved. And as I've said, we've grown very organically. We haven't gone out and and sought out chapter chairs. They've come to us and wanted to be a part of this parent parental rights movement. Um, But you know, I think we speak their language. When moms came to me and they said, I'm really concerned about forced masking and the harms I'm seeing in my child or healthy quarantining, um, or I'm very concerned about the fact that I'm speaking to my school board and they're not taking my concerns as a parent um, seriously. You know, I was sitting on a school board, but I'm also a mom. I knew exactly how they felt and I had my own children dealing with the same issues that other parents were dealing with with their kids. So um, I think we've just tried to be very respectful of our membership and um, we learned from them too. We're all learning together here. And so it's really about decentralized leadership. Tina, Marie and I are on the executive board. We have a chapter chair coordinator, Pat, who um, has a team now that helps her to manage in, uh chapters and their needs. Um, but you know, we're all moms and we're all in this together.
0: That's incredible. Okay, real quick you know, for those who are listening, they don't know anything about Moms for Liberty. You said nearly 150,000 members. How many people do you actually have on staff, volunteer or paid staff?
1: Yeah, we have under 10 full-time paid staff, um, but we have obviously volunteers all over the country.
0: That is absolutely remarkable. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, there, I don't know of a single organization of that size or that reach or that impact that has so few that would be paid you know, full-time. That's incredible. Um, I wanna play a clip real quick, and this is really just about, um, this is Wisconsin State Assemblyman Chuck Witchkers, Which- who is talking about the state of um, the grassroots movement um, that is calling education into account, that's, that's holding local schools accountable. I wanna play that clip right now. The grassroots movement has grown so big
2: right here in waukesha county every single school board has a majority now and that hasn't happened so this entire county is has moved to a conservative uh majority on their school boards which is really big because they get to be watchdogs they get to be the primary educators Uh
0: and they're asking for their own authority back And remember, those parents, we keep warning them, you gave that away 50 years ago so you could work hard, play hard, and trust your teachers, trust your administrations, and now you want that power back? Well, thank God. Yeah. So what are your thoughts there, Tiffany? This is, by the way, John Solomon's Just the News, friends of ours um, over there at Real America's Voice. But is he right? I mean, this is, of course, Wisconsin, but I'm I think I'm seeing this across many school districts across the country, whether it be Loudoun County, Virginia, or there down in your home state of Florida elsewhere. It seems as though. And and by the way, when we say conservative, we're not necessarily talking about politically conservative. We're just talking about people who want to conserve education and parental rights in education. There seems to be a movement where parents are taking back control.
1: Absolutely. I just got back from Wisconsin and I held a a policy meeting uh, with our moms and our chapter leadership. And then we met with Senator Ron Johnson and were able to interact with him a little bit. Um, I absolutely think that. Uh, American parents are reclaiming uh, public education um, from that very local level of school board uh, to doing work at the state through their legislative committees and then working with uh, federal representatives um, to really understand where the authority lies for decision making when it comes to our children and their education and our parental rights. Um, ultimately, The authority comes from us, the parents, right? The government doesn't give you your fundamental parental rights. They can't take them away. Those are God-given rights uh, that you have. And so it's just very important for all of our parents to stand uh, for those rights. Um, Wisconsin, we'll talk about Wisconsin for a second. Reading scores are abysmal uh, in Wisconsin. Um, they actually also in Milwaukee have the highest disparity between black and white students and reading proficiency with black students reading at 5% of black students reading proficiently in fourth grade. Um, so, uh, but overall the average is not much higher. I think it's just barely into the double digits. So, um, You know, there's a lot of work to be done in Wisconsin, Um, but you're right. We are reclaiming school boards all over the country and and helping liberty-minded individuals to get elected to school board so that they can be the voice of their constituents. Ryan, what we saw during COVID was the fact that, you know, lots of things happened, right? Lots of people were really upset about things that were happening, but I think the most upsetting thing for Americans, and it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, right? when you wanted to have your voice heard uh, by your elected officials and you went as as a parent to your school board meeting and you wanted to share your concerns and ask questions, you were shut down. You were often shut out, right? They cut citizen input. they uh, So they, that me- meaning they didn't have uh, citizen input as part of their meeting anymore. They cut down the times of citizen input. They ha- they instituted like lottery systems where there would only be a certain amount of parents that would be able to speak. Um, and then you have the National School Board Association uh, very upset that parents were, you know, gaining too much power, getting a little too mouthy. And then they decided that they would go to the Department of Justice in the Biden administration. And, and you know, they tried to have parents labeled as domestic terrorists. You know, I've shared with you the FBI uh, field office in in a state reached out to one of our moms that was not the only parent that was contacted. And since we've seen Steve Friend and others that have spoken um, out as whistleblowers, FBI whistleblowers in front of Congress, I myself had the opportunity to go and testify before Congress about this situation. Um, You know, we know now that there was a real effort to silence parents. And so you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why are parental rights such a threat to people in the United States of America? Um, but I certainly know why parents getting more involved in schools is a threat in America. And that's because our public schools are failing. Yeah. We are failing to give our children practicable skills so they can be successful in life. If you cannot read, there is no future for you if you cannot read. Can you imagine? I want everyone listening for a moment to just imagine that you can't read. Now, can you do your job? Can you raise your children? Can you support yourself? No, you can't. You're you're going to be, you know, when you need to look no farther than the prison system to see um, the fact that uh, illiteracy uh, leads to a life of struggle and crime. And so, why we would be putting our children in that position and taking these years from them that they don't get back. You know, you don't get back seven, eight, nine years old, right? Um, and, and that they're going to school all day long, but they're not actually being taught anything. So. Chuck is right. We're taking back school boards all over the country, and the focus for us is putting the putting the focus back on basics in school instead of all of this woke indoctrination that we're
0: seeing. Uh, to that point, I want to play another clip. This is Nicole Salas, and she was targeted, and she was actually sued by a teacher's union in Rhode Island. Uh, but she was calling basically attention to public education at the kindergarten level. Let's play that clip.
2: I am a mother from Rhode Island who was sued by the teachers union simply because I wanted to know what my kindergartner would be learning in school. I asked to see the curriculum and my school told me I had to submit a public records request. Then I asked them if they were teaching gender theory and they told me that they don't call children boys and girls and they embed the values of gender identity into every classroom, including kindergarten. And when I did submit the public records request that they told me to submit, and I submitted hundreds, my school board then held a public school board meeting to discuss suing me. They said that I was causing chaos, wreaking havoc, Harming the district, harming children. They wanted to send a message to other parents that if you ask questions, they will come after you. My school district and my teachers union didn't want to just hide the curriculum from me. They wanted to ruin my life just for asking for it.
0: Absolutely incredible. So they wanted to make an example of her simply because she was calling attention, holding them accountable. Uh, To your point earlier, you were talking about illiteracy rates being so high, you can't actually fulfill your job or job requirements in the marketplace without being able to to read. Yet at the same time, it seems as though they want to promote all of these radical Marxist ideologies in our school system. Is that because of their failure in the, the core competencies or is that for some other reason?
1: Um, I I think that they want our children to be politically literate and they want them to be literate in the political ideology that uh, teachers unions have, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very progressive. Um, It's actually very regressive. uh, And I'd love to get into that when we talk about gender identity and gender ideology. It's very regressive based on stereotypes, right? You like pink. Well, maybe you're not a boy. Maybe you're a girl. How ridiculous is that? Um, Right. But it, it is wanting children to be politically literate. And, and, You know, I'm not making, I don't just like make this stuff up, right? Teachers, one of the teachers that was on CBS Sunday morning, Latina and I, when we were discussing the book, she was interviewed and her t-shirt literally said, educating is activism. So, you know, they've been very clear. You you can go look at the NEA, the National Education Association or the AFT, look at their conference schedule, look at the agenda, look at the issues that they're discussing, the platforms that they take up. Go to Randy Weingarten's uh, and Becky Pringle's uh, thread online. Uh, They've been a little bit more careful recently, but Randy Weingarten weighs into all types of political issues. And, you know, the truth of the matter is the AFT isn't just a teacher's union. They have other workers that are a part of that union. And so the schools are being used to indoctrinate the children into a political ideology that parents may not share. Oftentimes, the ideology is antithetical to the teaching in the home. And you know, you and I can dive in a little bit into some of the different things that are happening around the country where parents are really saying, wait a second, you know, we want to know, first of all, what are you teaching my child, right? So you have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of your children. That's their education, their medical care, their morality, their religion. You have that right as a parent you can't direct something if you're reacting to it. So to Nicole's point, she's asking for the curriculum. She's got a five-year-old child that she's going to be sending into a school for eight hours a day. And she's saying, Hey guys, I'd like to know what you'll be discussing with my child in that classroom. That seems really fair to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Flags don't go up until they tell you no. um, Right. But up until that point you ask, what are you going to be teaching? And the answer was, well, we don't really need to tell you that. And we're going to make it really difficult for you to find out. Well, if you're as a parent, you have that fundamental right to direct, and now you're reacting to something. Now you have to wait until something your child is already exposed to something in order to be able to handle it. That's a problem, and that means that your your parental rights are being infringed upon. And that's where we take a stand and 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 have to you know kind of wave the flag and say no 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 guys, you know we're going to redraw the boundary between school and home because this wasn't the deal. Not sure why you think it is, uh, but it's our job as parents to redraw that line.
0: So you're looking for a university that's perfect for you. A school that has anything you could possibly need. Anything? You want a place that has the programs you want to study. And maybe a few more, just in case you change your mind.
2: I think I'm going to sign up for the fashion design program. All right.
0: A place with state-of-the-art facilities. I mean, look at this campus. And mm. hey, who doesn't love big-time sports? Okay, now we're on a roll. Somewhere you can hike, slide, strike, shoot, climb, eat, and most importantly, eat. You want a place that takes you to space? Okay, maybe not, but we can teach you how to fly or pastor a church or run a business. And all that with a great view? Yeah, I think I know a place let's take a quick walk around the country though you, you mentioned there, there are various places where you're you're having um parental rights challenge but then you're also it seems like um tiffany in many cases even amidst all of the uh, alarm and um the effort of conservatives and and parents to be more active that many school districts are also doubling down on <laughs> the direction they're going they're they're not afraid at all. They're actually saying in, in daylight, this is what we're doing and we don't care what you think.
1: I think there's a mix, to be honest with you. James Lindsay, a good friend of mine, and and, and you know him as well, right? He, he often says that our wins look a lot like things not happening. So that's mm. kind of a hard thing to celebrate, right? Yeah. Um, something not happening. So I think it's important to also keep in mind that we're making a lot of progress because certain things that they would like to have happen, True. Uh, that the teachers unions would like to have happen, aren't happening. And it's because parents are standing up and speaking out. But you're right. There are egregious situations that are happening across the country, and You kind of follow this cycle in the American, uh, media and, and just in general across America where people are like, that's crazy. That's not happening. And then you're like, no, no, but, but wait, it it really is. And so I'll walk you through some of those. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it. Let's think of a few that I can share. Um, in uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania in Gettysburg uh, School District in Adams County, Pennsylvania um, there's a school board member the M- Michelle Smyers I just did a podcast on it uh, along with Wally Zimalong, who's a lawyer for America First Legal has been helping her there um, there was a teacher who went into the locker room uh, a, a tennis coach that allegedly went into the locker room and took his clothes off with female athletes uh, down to a bra and panties uh, yeah. was given a rep but was put on uh, the agenda for the coming year uh, coaching schedule. Uh, And when uh, the board member, Michelle, requested um, to see the personnel file, uh, it was denied to her. And, and they said that it wasn't something that they could share and that if she asked too many questions that she could be personally liable um, under Title VII for being discriminatory. Now, um, this is the land of Jerry Sandusky. We can all remember um, yeah. Pennsylvania has learned a lot of bathroom lessons. Yeah. Uh, and so any adult Uh, just robing with children in a locker room um, is unacceptable. But here you have a a fully grown intact man wearing female underwear. He also wanted to discuss uh, the girl's menstrual cycle with them at another occasion, what type of underwear or panties they like to wear. Um, And then allegedly has also now been using the student's uh, female bathroom um, across from the locker room. So um here's a board member not getting information and the district is obfuscating and causing issues and not wanting to be um not wanting to be um forthright with the information. Um and uh, that's concerning. Um we go down to uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, and I'm actually gonna pull up the ruling if I could, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um because I want to read the ruling to you. It's actually very important uh, what the ruling was that the uh, judge made in this case, but you've got Montgomery County, Maryland, where um, parents are being told that they cannot opt out of um, a uh, pride storybook collection that will be read in the classroom, to be clear, This is uh, elementary school, K through five, where uh, the issue of gender identity in in, in books like, I think it's a boy named Penelope and others, um, are really diving into this idea of, uh, maybe you were born a certain uh, sex, but we can change it, or maybe that's not who you really are on the inside. And and parents there um, across the board from a lot of different uh, religions are ve- or and atheists, by the way, are very concerned about this idea of gender identity uh, being taught in the classroom and not being
0: allowed to opt their children out. And I think that I think the most valuable thing here is recognizing. You you just said something really important. This is taking place in Montgomery, right? So this is not uh, traditionally. You think about where we were, you know, in terms of politic uh, that divided the nation, you know, this is not up in, you know, Berkeley, California. This Mm -hmm. is not, you know, uh, uh, over there in the in the lower part of Manhattan. Um, This is you're you're talking now in the heartland of America. This is school district by school district. And so this sort of radical sexual um, gender identity and politic and ideology is pretty much infiltrating everywhere. So the battle lines in terms of where this is being drawn up, this mapping can happen at any local county, at any school district across the country, doesn't matter where you live.
1: No, 100%. And so basically what this this, uh, judge said was that, basically what she said was that issues being introduced into the classroom do not um, affect the parents' ability to have religious exercise at home. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting ruling because I think the idea really becomes, well, where does that end then, right? Um, and as we've discussed many times, this woke ideology is like a religion um, in, in many different ways. And so there's a concern from our perspective of this cult-like fashion of this woke ideology where it's like, you have to believe this no matter what you think, no matter what personal belief system you have, you have to validate. And there's a difference between tolerance and, and, and acceptance and also, allowing for pluralism in the classroom and allowing for children to have different belief systems and come to the into the classroom, be able to learn to read together. And so, in Montgomery County, you're not allowed to pull your child out of uh, school. Um, some of the reasons the school district cited as to, um, not, uh, not allowing for the opt out. Uh, one of them was um, there would be too many children who would opt out.
0: <laughs> you're um, right. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure
1: why that's not sending a message to them. I mean, yeah, I think this truly is the tyranny of the minority in Montgomery County. I, I, I'll just go, Ryan, to Florida for a second if I could. Yeah. You have board members, again, in Clay County, Florida. You have a board member um, being made aware of the fact that there was a motion to dismiss in, in the Perez case. Now, in this case, an 11-year-old girl uh, was socially transitioned at school without the consent or knowledge of the parents, Um, there's a court case going on right now the district filed a motion to dismiss the new board members have been there eight months had no idea that motion to dismiss had been filed and and the new board members are very concerned about it because the parents are very concerned they want accountability here right they want to know that this isn't going to be happening again in the school district filing a motion to dismiss basically says like this didn't really happen and we're not concerned about it so no real change will come unless there's accountability. And so as a board member, you're weighing your responsibility, right? You have a fiduciary responsibility to the district to keep it whole and safe and functioning, right? And, and But then you also have a responsibility to your constituents and, and primarily to the students and the families to keep them safe and to advocate for them, that they are the stakeholders. And so what you see is this, this battle happening. And, and I had a reporter ask me the other day, Ryan, um, they said, you know, since Moms for Liberty has gotten involved in all the school district stuff, um, you know, it, things have become very political and heated. And I said, no, no, no. Wait a second. It was political before. That's right. The, there was political ideology there. It just wasn't being challenged. There was no one questioning it and calling it out. We're so sorry that uh, they don't, that people don't like being questioned when they're indoctrinating our children or that we're questioning what's happening in these classrooms. We apologize to you. That's upsetting, but we're not going anywhere. So you better get used to the fact that there's going to be a lot more scrutiny.
0: Yeah. And that's the kind of activism that people were used to 50 years ago when you flip the narrative, right? The majority of a conservative you know backdrop of America. most people are religiously identified as Christian. many people went to church. The vast majority of Americans did. they claimed the faith. And then you you did have a sort of a radical um, protest movement in the 60s, right? in An anti-war protests, sexual revolution, all of those things. Now it's flipped on its head, right? Now it's it's different. Now they take up the the places right of authority. Holding the institutions, and now it's parents, conservative-minded parents, who are now the protesters, now the radicals, and the reformers in society.
1: Yeah, I mean, even at the Earth Summit in Philadelphia, there were protesters that were outside. Um, I think some of them still thought we were in the '60s, to be honest. Some of the older protesters had like tie dye on, and there were a lot of there were a lot of reporters that went out, and um, people that you and I know that were like, "Okay, so what are you protesting? What's your issue?" They didn't know. They were like, oh, the books, they want to ban the books. They're like, oh, what books are they? They're like, "Mm," they couldn't name any books that moms and dads were concerned about. And I guarantee if I had, I have the book, I do have the books, unfortunately. If I opened a book and I read a passage to you from one of these books, I'm going to say like, I mean, I'm going to say the vast, vast, vast majority of of adults in America are going to be like, oh, I, I didn't realize that was what was in the books. Like, that's right. I don't, I don't think they really know. My husband saw it the first time and he was like, oh, Tiffany, people have no idea. You need to carry that book everywhere you go. And when they try to give you a hard time, just show them that.
0: Right, that's right. Uh, there, was a, there was a parent that was escorted out by security recently, that was in Fort Worth, Texas. He was at a school board meeting, literally just trying to read the literature that's being given to kids. And they said, that's inappropriate. It's inappropriate conduct. He was escorted out of the meeting, you know, uh, and he said, look, this is my constitutional right. I'm just a citizen trying to hold you accountable. How come these words can't be read in a, in a meeting like this, but they can, they're, they're good enough for our kids, which is just absolutely ridiculous.
1: I don't know if people realize what a dire situation we are in as far as the literacy crisis. Um, so in general, I think when I say two-thirds of American children are not reading proficiently in school, parents or or community members, taxpayers, citizens, what have you, think to themselves, well, okay, but you know, they can do work with them and catch them up. We're talking about a year's behind. We're not we're talking about, you know, not a year, not two years. We're talking about you've got kids who are in seventh grade that are reading at a third grade level, if that, if that, to be fair. Um, so I don't know that it's really struck in the hearts and minds of the American people, um, what the future will look like. If they think crime is bad now, just think about two thirds of Americans who can't read or write or do math and, and, and then think about how are they going to support themselves? Um, and so, you know, it's going to be the government or it's going to be what we're seeing in San Francisco, which is just rampant crime. Um, right. And so, um, I, I don't think that as a whole America quite gets the crisis that we have on our hands. I happen to think it's the number one um, national security issue that we have. Uh, I just, I just do, um, and 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 I've seen evidence of that uh, when we were fighting to get a parents' bill of rights passed. Pa- parents' bill of rights passed in Florida. Um, it took us three years. Uh, Aaron Grahl, who was the sponsor of the bill, was relentless and brought it back and brought it back and brought it back again the third year. Then we were able to have it signed into law. Um, but once Ron DeSantis saw, I think, very directly as a dad, um, the way that these school districts really thumbed their nose at him and the governance model of the state. Um, Then it really woke him up and he said, oh, wow, like there's a real issue here as far as what authority they think they have and what authority the federal government thinks they have in education, which is a state issue. So much like abortion, I think parents need to be aware and understand, citizens in general need to be aware and understand this is a state issue that you need to be focusing on at the state level. Can a president be more involved in education? Yes partly by getting the federal government out of the way yeah and doing Um, what jimmy carter
0: did right in 76
1: get the federal government out um and and put them back in their place the federal government likes to try to change culture um and they do that in lots of different ways in the judicial system they do that with grants um they do that in the education system as well and so um the next president of the United States, you know, we've heard chatter and talk about abolishing the Department of Education. I certainly think that that's a a good goal to have. I I think that the federal the Department of Education has become a behemoth, um, and I know there are many different facets to it, and it's incredibly complicated. It will take a lot of work uh, to be able to scale back that department. But I do think there are steps that we can take to do that. Um, you know, Ryan, when I was on school board, one of the things that happened, um. That I was very concerned about was the role of the CDC. Um, they were making recommendations that seemed to supersede any law, any state law, certainly, right? And so there was a judge in Florida in Leon County, a gentleman, his name is Judge Cooper. I still remember. I watched the whole, it was all on Zoom. I watched the whole um, hearing and he ruled, he said that um, the CDC's recommendation to continue masking, uh, was paramount and would take the, would take, uh, precedence over, um, the, the state parents bill of rights. And you're talking about an agency that's not a regulatory agency making a recommendation. And now all of a sudden your rights as, as a parent are being dismissed because he said that the state had a compelling interest, yeah. uh, to take away your rights. So I know that's getting into the weeds a little bit. You asked me about the presidential candidates. Yeah. Um, I think part of being a good president is knowing what authority you have and what areas need to be left to the states
3: and then helping to lead in that way.
1: You
3: know, I went to a Christian high school and the sounds of Liberty actually came to our school on one of their tours and they came and sang. And I heard about this amazing place that was a real university that wasn't just a Bible school, it had that component to it. And once I saw Liberty, there was no other place for me because I knew that it was a place that would feed my faith but would also give me a chance to study and to grow and get a great education. And that business degree has taught me so much and given me so much of a foundation for everything else that I do and I understand about how our economy works. And I'm really grateful for that this place is not the same place as when i was here because we did not have these buildings and these dorms and these programs and all of the beautiful things that are here and dr Falwell was here when i was on campus and would talk about his vision for all those things and it seemed so big and so unbelievable but he clearly believed it and god had shown him what this place would be and i think all the time about whether he sees the progress and the the beautiful things that are happening here on campus but i know and i think about the 50 years ahead that he would never want it to be about buildings or sports programs or anything else if we lose the focus, which is to glorify God and leave here to share the gospel. So while I hope all of our technology and our programs and our reach expands, the one thing I hope does not ever change is the mission and commitment of this school.
0: Okay. And I totally agree with you. I, I I want to say this, and by the way, we could go, we could go for hours. We need to do this again. Um, but this is kind of a fi- final question, at least, at least to wrap up this episode, uh, Tiffany, do you think that given the current cultural climate, uh, there's certainly a lot of social engineering that comes from Washington, DC, and they're trying to use the institution, the public institution of education to do it. Um, Do you think there will ever be a a situation in the future moving forward, a policy proposal that would actually allow for the public classroom to once again accommodate for those who are practicing Christians, who aren't discriminated against on the basis of their religion? You know, perfect case in point is in Montgomery, allowing people to opt out, right? viewpoint discrimination might say, Hey, we're not allowing you to opt out. It's tough. You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sit through this and be indoctrinated along along with the rest of the kids. The other part is just, you know, allowing a a place for prayer, allowing a place for Bible reading, those types of things. Do you think there's ever going to be a situation moving forward? we'll, We'll be able to do that once again as a country, or do you think it's irreparably broken?
1: I think that public education is of value to the United States. I think there's value in um, wanting to have a citizenry that can read and write and do math and function and has skills. Um, And so I think that collectively, it's um, something that Americans hold to be um, important. And I think that that bodes well for the future of America. Um, We should want to unfold the full potential of every child. as far as if if you want, if you're a Christian and you would like for your children to go to school in an environment where your belief system is uh, woven into, as you said, the worldview that it, that it guides all of the learning that is happening with your child. Then I think you're probably going to need to find a, a Christian school where you can help to make that happen. And I think through school choice, that does give people who would like for religion to be a part of their children's education um, and and every facet of it, the opportunity to be able to send their child to a school that does that. Um, But I think that part of what makes public schools so unique and interesting is the diversity. And I do think that there should be space in public schools for people to celebrate their diversity while respecting each other's belief systems. And that's what we need in our country. Um, You know, people should be able to work in an environment where you have your belief system and you're able to work together for a common goal and respect each other's beliefs. Um, I think if we want to be able to have that um, as adults in a functioning society, then we need to model that for our children. And we certainly need to be helping our children um, to come to that place. Um, but like in Montgomery County, I'll just be really clear, Ryan, I, I, there's no place for gender ideology in public schools. This is a pseudoscience. This is not real. There are two sexes. There are men and there are women. Um, and we need to be compassionate and and every child should feel safe and valued in school. But the idea that children are being taught that they may be born in the wrong body is wrong. Um, that is a lie. Um, and... Uh, certainly parents should be concerned about that ideology being introduced into classrooms because it does lead down the road to um, eventual medical transition. Social transition leads to that. And so um, I can certainly understand why parents would be concerned about those things. So I think there's a difference between there being space for people to have their belief system and for to raise their children with it, with their religion and send their child to school safely and a woke, quack, ridiculous ideology being taught to five-year-olds that completely undermines all of the facts that we know to be true uh, in life. And there's a difference between those two things. And um, I think it's time that we use common sense and get back to um, understanding uh, the difference between Um, having your religious beliefs respected and then also schools deciding to teach children that can be a tree
0: yeah yeah i i totally agree with that that i'll I'll say this you know for me i've got three kids we homeschool uh for that base for, for that reason i mean part of it is education is catechesis for us education is not just activism it's evangelism and so we we're evangelizing our kids according to a biblical worldview and there's they need to know how to read and write, uh, do arithmetic, all of those things. Uh, and by the way, God is the God of reading, writing, and arithmetic also. Uh, so the mathematical language of the universe, God created. God created language. He created you know, uh, words, the first words that shaped the, the universe, by the way, were the words that came directly from God, uh, let there be light. Uh, and so it, what's interesting, though, is my concern for public education isn't the concern about whether my children are going to get the best education, you know, that, 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 uh, the public school can offer. Um, my concern of public education is that the citizens that they're going to have to, uh, co, you know, coexist with in the future as citizens of the United States that are going to uphold the constitution, they had better be able to read and write and understand what constitutional law says. Right. And so, a well informed citizenry, I wholeheartedly amen that they may not have the same world view, but they at least have to have a consensus about certain values and morals. Uh, and if they don't, if they're not educated, right, they're gonna be, like you say, they're gonna be those people who can't hold jobs. Um, they're going to be among those people that are part of those tent cities or their organized marches. Uh, they're gonna be the Marxist revolutionaries that topple the whole system down. Um, that's my fear is the the powder keg uh that blows up because we have no common shared value sets or understanding um to even hold a society together.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and and not only are children not being taught um, about um, the founding of America and our found, foundational documents and how amazing our constitution is, um, not only are they being taught, not taught that, but they're being taught that America is a flawed country that is, is systemically racist and that for some of them, um, they will there is no future. And for others, um, they should feel guilty about the fact uh, uh, that they may have a certain skin color. And so not only are they not being taught um, good things, but they're also being taught um, some very toxic um, ideology as well. And I think we're seeing that reflected um, in the state of the nation and where we are in the division, the, the fomenting of the division all the way from the White House down. And so I think your points are very well taken. Um, we need to find a way to move forward together as a country and um, teaching our children to read, to write, to do math, unfolding their full potential, will, in, will ensure that America continues to be a, a beacon of light for the rest of the world. And that's what Moms for Liberty is trying to do. We're trying to put the focus back on the basics in education, and we're trying to ensure that every parent has the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. Um, and again, that is a threat to people that want to indoctrinate your kids. Um, They want want your children to see you as the enemy, to drive a wedge between you and your your child. So the best advice I have for parents as they're going back to school, Ryan, um, and and sending their children to public school is get in there and meet the teacher. Introduce yourself, right? Make sure the teacher knows your child's name. I know that sounds silly, but you know, this is my son, so-and-so, Um, he, you know, he, he has some strengths. Here are some areas where he struggled last year. Um, I'm here as your partner to work with you. Um, really just, you know, introduce yourself, build a relationship with that teacher, let them know that you're concerned and that you care about your child's education. And then if you're dealing with any issues, um, with your child in school that you're concerned about, you know, again, you've established that relationship. Now, make sure that your voice is heard. And if the teacher is not, um, Listening to you, then you need to escalate it to the principal uh, and then perhaps the school board or superintendent. But try to, you know, start with those open lines of communication and perhaps we can find a way to respect each other as we move forward.
0: Absolutely. Tiffany Justice, thank you so much. Co founder of Moms for Liberty, thank you so much for your time and for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. And folks, stick around for final thoughts. Thank you for watching the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm so grateful for Tiffany and the entire Moms for Liberty organization. I appreciate so much her willingness to come on and share some of the most difficult challenges regarding educational freedom and parental rights in America. Those challenges, by the way, are not stopping. They are not slowing down. There will be even greater challenges to concerned parents and their children in the near future. I think one of the most difficult challenges right now isn't in identifying the problems as they arise, but understanding how far the rot in public education goes. Is it simply a matter of resetting the dial back to a time when secularism or liberalism largely reinforced the social and moral values of the family or of the general consensus of the American populace, or does it go further than that? Is secular education a project that can be reformed by simply appealing to the social mores of a previous generation, or is that too lacking in getting at the fundamental bedrock commitments necessary to make such education possible? One of the things we have to remember as we engage these topics is to recognize that worldview really does drive so much of the discussion. The classroom in America, has been divided for a long time when the commitments of those of the Christian worldview are cohabitating in the same space as those committed to secularism, naturalism, or even humanism. These ideas have fundamentally different commitments that shape our identity, our values, our guiding mission, and our philosophy. At the Freedom Center, we are wholeheartedly committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the public square And we recognize that no problem can truly be addressed, whether it is at the federal level, the state level, or the local level. No problem can be addressed by leaving God and the Christian faith out of that discussion. We recognize that the rot in public education stinks, but it goes much further than the symptoms of the disease. It requires not just a commitment to parents, but to a person and a power far greater than ourselves. It requires the grace and the mercy and the wisdom of Almighty God. We cannot expect anything to change in society without faith, repentance, revival, and reformation. America is in desperate need of that, especially at this hour. And we have a long, long way to go. Thank you for watching the Give Me Liberty podcast. Until next time, God bless you.